Well, good morning, church family. What an awesome way to start a service in Believer's Baptism. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, we're so thankful that you're here. Uh, my name is Steve Verena. I am the administrator here at Church on Bayshore. And it's uh, my privilege to be able to lead us this morning and to start a new sermon series titled, By What Authority? If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We'll be in verses 46 through 52. Starting in verse 46, it says, Then they, that's Jesus and the disciples, came to Jericho. And later, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a beggar who was blind, named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the man who was blind, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. And throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And replying, replying to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said to him, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. And as we dig into uh, your truth, your word, Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to the message that you have for us, Lord, and that you would just speak clearly to all of us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when James asked me to preach today and to start a new series entitled, By What Authority? To be blatantly honest, my first thought was, by what authority do I even have to preach God's word? I am unworthy. I am a sinner who's unworthy to touch the hem of his garment. And yet, the truth of what happens here with blind Bartimaeus gives me hope and a desire to serve God in whatever capacity he asks of me. So to understand the depth of what transpires here, we need to start with some background and some context. So I want to start with who was Bartimaeus? In the second half of verse 46, it says, well, he was a beggar. And he was blind. His name was Bartimaeus. He's the son of Timaeus. And he's sitting by a road. Well, at the time of Jesus, blindness was very, very common. Some were born blind, but others became blind because of infections. Or uh, they might have been struck blind as a punishment by a conquering ruler. And there was no medical help or assistance programs for the blind or the lame. So a blind man's only means of survival was to rely upon the kindness of others. To make matters worse, 
The blind were banned from entering the temple, which was the center of life in Jerusalem and certainly of faith. And regardless of lineage, they could not be a part of the priesthood because they were deemed ritually unclean. Now, we know that the Israelites would walk many miles out of their way to avoid anyone deemed unclean so as to be sure that they could worship in the temple. And so for this reason, the blind were often ostracized. They were separated on all levels of society with little or no worldly possessions. Bartimaeus is an outcast of society. Now, Mark is the only one of the synoptic gospels that mentions his name. And the name Bartimaeus has two possible translations. The least likely of these translations means son of uncleanness. And that's exactly how society viewed Bartimaeus. The second translation we'll see a little bit later. And so Bartimaeus does what is necessary to survive. He sits down by the way to beg for alms. And he's smart because at this time, the Galilean Jews are in the midst of their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And to avoid the unclean Samaritans, these, these Jews, they would, these Israelites would travel through Perea and then cross the Jordan River at Jericho. And then they would turn towards Jerusalem for the final 15 miles. So... Bartimaeus knows that there's going to be a crowd of people on the road, and this is the best chance that he has for some help. In verse 47, it says that Bartimaeus is sitting by the way, and he heard a larger crowd than normal passing by. So he, he hears a commotion, and he knows that something is happening, and he hears that it's Jesus the Nazarene. This is very, very interesting. Because see, when Jesus first came on the stage, being Jesus of Nazareth was not a good thing. Nazareth was one of the lowliest places in the ancient world. So much so that when, when Philip found Nathanael and said, hey, Nathanael, we have found the Messiah and he is from Nazareth. And Nathanael responded in John 1.46, he said, um, <laughs> Can anything good come from Nazareth? In Luke chapter 4, the word about Jesus had started to spread. And Jesus returned to Nazareth to teach in the synagogue. He unrolled the scroll and he taught from Isaiah 61. He taught this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So Jesus has proclaimed his purpose on earth and where that purpose comes from. And he states in their presence, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
He says, I am the Messiah. <laughs> and the response of the people is, is this not Joseph's son? And in Matthew 13, they respond to his teaching uh, by asking in verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? He's met with disdain and unbelief. And after Jesus' encounter with Bartimaeus, he will enter into Jerusalem exactly as prophesied. The blind and the lame will follow him right into the temple where they are banned from going and he will heal them. And yet the crowd will say in Matthew 21, 11, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. It's important to see that when Jesus encounters Bartimaeus, he's just days away from the cross of Calvary. And while his reputation has changed for the better, and there's re recognition that he has power, there's still resistance to accepting that he is God, that he's the Messiah. There's spiritual blindness and spiritual blindness is often a result of our own self-confidence in what we see or what we think to be true. The people were reluctant to accept Jesus because Jesus came in a way that they didn't expect. He came from Nazareth. Why not Jerusalem? He's a carpenter's son, not even the son of a high priest. And why is he even clothed in flesh if he's God? What's that all about? I mean, I'll accept that he's a prophet, but Messiah? That's too much of a stretch. So I will reject it. The people had their minds set on the things of the flesh and not on the things of God. But not Bartimaeus. We see in what Bartimaeus says that this blind beggar sees the truth of who Jesus is. Look at the rest of verse 47 and 48. It says, when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he keeps crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And when he receives the call to come to Jesus, verse 50 says that he throws off his cloak, he jumps up, and he comes to Jesus. <laughs> There's so much here in this scripture. So here's Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. He's sitting on the side of the road, and he has a crowd of people telling him to sit down and shut up. They don't want to hear his cries. But Bartimaeus cries out even more. And then he throws off his cloak. The, the outer cloak was called a pallium. And it would represent more than half of his worldly wealth. It was heavy. It was the only thing that could keep him warm. In fact, it was so important that in Exodus twenty-two twenty-six, the law stated that if you were to take a pallium as collateral for some kind of deal, you had to return it before sunset so that person wouldn't freeze. And beggars would often take this pallium and they would lay it out on the ground in front of them or over their legs 
and use it to collect coin on the side of the road. So I can just picture Bartimaeus is sitting there with this cloak, and in it is the coin that he's received from travelers who have already passed by. And then Bartimaeus takes it, and he casts it aside as if it's worth absolutely nothing. <laughs> and don't forget, he's blind. He may, he may never find it again. And in spite of his blindness, it says he leapt. He jumps up and goes to Jesus. Why? Why is he willing to ignore the crowd now? Why is he willing to cast aside his most important worldly possession now? The answer is because even though Bartimaeus can't see, he has faith in the authority of Jesus Christ. Yes, the carpenter's son. And we often think that seeing is believing, but that's contrary to Scripture. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Bartimaeus did not see Jesus perform the miracles. Just as we haven't seen Jesus perform those miracles, he had only heard about what Jesus was doing and saying. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So Bartimaeus heard about Jesus and believed. And not just that he was the Messiah, but that because he is Messiah, he has authority. So the first step in coming to Jesus is recognizing his authority and believing in it. But to accept authority, first we have to understand what authority is and how it proves that Jesus Christ is more than a carpenter's son. Authority has many definitions. And if I were to try and put them all together, I would say that authority is having the right to act in a specified way that's been delegated from one to another. It's the power to control a particular sphere or to command others because you have knowledge or expertise. And interestingly enough, <laughs> authority can also reference a book, <laughs> a book that is able to supply reliable information or evidence to settle a dispute. So does Jesus, in fact, have authority? Where did it come from? And what is its scope? In Matthew eleven twenty seven, Jesus says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. Jesus' authority comes from God. But based on this one scripture, we could be tempted to believe that Jesus has not always had authority. So we need to understand this a little bit more clearly. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us, that's believers, yet for us, there is only one God, the Father. 
from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. John 1, 1 through 4 says, in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. Jesus has always been the conduit through which God's power impacts the world. Jesus has always had authority. But not just over our definition of creation. 1 Peter 3.22 says, uh, Jesus, who is at the right hand of God, having gone up into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. Mark 127, as Jesus casts out an unclean spirit, the people, it says the people were all amazed. So they debated amongst themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Jesus has authority over angels and powers and Satan and all unclean spirits that might follow him. Matthew 9, 6 and 7 says, But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Then he said to this paralyzed man, Get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And he got up and he went home. So Jesus heals this man with one purpose, to prove that he has the authority to forgive sins. John 17, 2 says, Just as you, that's God, gave him, that's Jesus, authority over all mankind, so that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. David Jeremiah says, only by being both deity and humanity could Jesus Christ bridge the gap between man and God. Church, Jesus is the only one with the authority to forgive your sins. He is the only one with the authority to reconcile you to God. Jesus is the only one with the authority to give eternal life. And in case you're wondering about his authority over doctrine, when he was just 12 years old, we learn in Luke chapter 2 that he was speaking with the rabbis in the temple. And it says, all were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So at 12 years old, he is literally teaching the teachers because he's God. 
He is the subject matter expert. And because of his death on the cross, it would, be, it would enable his spirit to indwell the writers of the Bible, dictating every last word. He literally wrote the book, the inerrant word of God that settles any dispute over who God is and what he has done for us. The short version is the power of God works through Jesus. He has always had the right to act and the power to control a particular sphere. And that sphere is literally everything. He is all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful, and he wrote the book that allows us to see him for who he is. The prophets spoke of him. And when he came, he fulfilled those prophecies. <laughs> and, in, and then God even announced who Jesus was at his baptism. But there's still resistance. And I believe it's because every one of us can think of people with lots of authority that we wouldn't follow if they paid us. You don't have to look much farther than like our political leaders, okay? There's people with power and authority that we don't want to follow. So the question is, why should I follow Jesus? Well, consider what Jesus did with all of this authority. Jesus left the throne of heaven, came to earth to be clothed in flesh, and then he knelt down and he washed the disciples' feet. He served those who are unworthy to even be in his presence. He willingly went to the cross to be brutally murdered all so that we could be reconciled to God. And because he died and rose again, he is worthy of all power and authority and certainly of our obedience. And when Thomas doubted his authority over the resurrection, Jesus said, take your hand and put it in my side. And then he looked at Thomas and he gave him a very clear message. Hear this message. He said, stop doubting and believe when Jesus Christ said in Matthew 28 that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he meant just that. If you're going to accept him as Lord and Savior, stop doubting his authority and believe. Bartimaeus did exactly that. Hearing that Jesus was coming, Bartimaeus cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David is a messianic term, and it shows us that Bartimaeus knows Jesus is the Messiah. And it's important to note that Bartimaeus doesn't scream out for healing. He yells out, have mercy on me. 
He recognizes that he is a sinner who falls short of the glory of God. And the thing that he needs most in this world is mercy from the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And if you've never cried out to Jesus for mercy or submitted to his authority, now is the time Because just as Jesus would not walk that road between Jericho and Jerusalem again, we never know when our last chance is to submit to the authority of God. But when we recognize his authority and believe, there is nothing that will keep us from crying out to him. We cast aside our worldly treasures. We throw caution to the wind to get to Jesus And so my question for you today is what are you allowing to come between you and Jesus? What can I cast aside because it has no value if it keeps me from Jesus? Because make no mistake, Satan will try to keep you from coming. Look at verse 48. It says, many were sternly telling him to be quiet. This is a tough one. Because the disciples and the people walking with Jesus are the very people who attempt to silence Bartimaeus. They attempt to keep him from coming to Jesus because he was different or because they're judging his value based on his appearance or based on society or they just don't want to be confronted by someone who can't take care of themselves but because it might just convict them of their own shortcomings and their own unwillingness to be generous. And we see this today. When I was uh, in high school, my dad took my brothers and me to an off-ramp at 285 and Roswell Road in Atlanta to collect money for Jerry's kids. It was for multiple sclerosis. And on this off-ramp, there was no shortage of BMWs and Mercedes and other expensive cars. And most of the drivers in these cars would do anything they could do to avoid eye contact, (laughs) And this was before cell phones, so they couldn't even act, oh, sorry, I'm on a phone, I'm on the phone, I'm busy. They couldn't even act busy because they didn't even want to see the need, let alone give of their resources to help. And I remember this one man in a Mercedes, he drove up and he, he handed a dollar out. And as I went to grab it, he yanked it back and he said, I want to see it go in the can. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, I'm, I'm collecting for Jerry's kids. My dad's name is Jerry, so I should just take this dollar to prove that his distrust is warranted. (laughs) For the record, I didn't. I just handed the can out, and I said, well, you can put it in the can yourself. And as he's putting it in, I'm thinking, this can is made of cardboard and tin. Certainly he realizes I could take this money if I wanted to. But this man was likely jaded from sin in the world, jaded from stories of swindlers on the roadside that say they want money for food, but they really just want it to go buy alcohol. But at least he pushed past his reservations and he gave. Most people just pretended that I wasn't even there. 
And today, people in the church are often fine with turning a blind eye to the lost and those in need, content to hide inside the church and stay separated from the world. Oh, and when that world starts to come in the doors, we do whatever we can to push them out. Excuse me, you sat in my seat. Your, your hands are a little too high. You're saying your amen's a little bit too loud. So many Christians today still have a heart of stone, not a heart of flesh. And in this text, we see that there are those walking in the crowd in close proximity to Jesus who couldn't be farther away from his heart. And some in the church today think that their proximity to the church and all things Christian somehow makes them right with God and elevates them above the rest of the world. And yet they don't have the heart of Christ because they don't have relationship with him. My friends, anonymously hanging out with the Christian crowd without truly coming to Jesus does not save you. Your heart will not be changed simply because you're hanging out with Christians. Only coming to the feet of Jesus can change you. And that change is a process. Because see, the disciples were seeking Jesus. And there's certainly some in that crowd that were seeking Jesus. And their hearts should have been to go and seek out anybody who needed Jesus and do whatever it took to get him to him. Because the priority of every Christian should be the next Christian. But it wasn't. Thankfully, Jesus didn't see Bartimaeus as a son of uncleanness. Jesus saw him for what his name truly means. Bartimaeus means highly prized. In verse 49, it says, Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the man who was blind, saying, take courage, stand up. He's calling you. So picture this. This is Jesus. He is on his way to Calvary to complete the most important work in the history of man. To give his life as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. Now as a more task-oriented person, if it were me, I probably would have walked right past Bartimaeus. And thought, hey, I don't really need to help you now because I'm going to go do this thing and this thing is going to help you later. But not Jesus. Jesus stopped. He said, Calvary can wait because Bartimaeus is crying out to me. Because he's, Jesus saw Bartimaeus as highly prized and he sees you as highly prized. He sees me as highly prized. And when we cry out to Jesus, he stops and he listens what an awesome God we serve. And then, as a rebuke to all of those around him who tried to silence Bartimaeus, he sends them to go get him. <laughs> this reminds us Christians that we are in the midst of the sanctification process. 
We are not there yet. We haven't made it. We still have a sin nature. And when we fall back into having a focus on ourselves and building our own kingdoms, we harden our hearts to God and to people. Just before this encounter with Bartimaeus, Jesus asked James and John what they want from him. And instead of saying mercy, they asked to be elevated above everyone else. Their request is self-serving. And so Jesus says, you go call Bartimaeus. You who seek to elevate yourself, go call the one you think is beneath you. He's redirecting their thoughts away from themselves and towards the mission of God. He's removing their hearts of stone and replacing it with a heart of the flesh. Because the greatest way to guard against a heart of stone and a mindset on the flesh is to allow the Lord to send you to those in need. To allow the Lord to send us to serve others instead of serving ourselves. Because serving him and seeking the lost keeps us focused on his mission and his mind. Serving him and seeking the lost keeps us focused on his mission and his heart. Jesus sees people as highly prized. Do we see people as Jesus sees people? Now, at the next red light at that off-ramp in Atlanta, something happened that I will never forget. This lanyard rolls up. And like every panel of the car is a different color as if it had been pieced together from spare parts. And, and as I looked inside and I saw this man, it was clear that all of his clothing looked like it came from the Salvation Army. And he starts to dig through his pockets. And I remember thinking to myself, please don't give. You, you don't need to give. And then he starts to lean back the driver's seat. And at first I didn't understand what he was doing. But... His window was broken, and nothing was going to stop him from giving, so he, he leans back the driver's seat to roll down the back window to hand me a little bit of change. And then he said, God bless you for what you're doing. And at this point, uh, the light had, had changed, and a car honked, and I just said, thank you for your donation. And then he said, He said, I'm happy to do it because I have been on the receiving end. I'm happy to do it because I have been on the receiving end. And then he drove off. And I believe that that day, that man gave more than anyone else. And he taught me a lesson about gratitude. Because when we recognize what Jesus has given us, it is our joy, and we want to give it to others. That should be our heart. And so those that were trying to keep Bartimaeus quiet, they go to him, and they bring him to Jesus. And in verse 51, 
replying to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. Now, if there's anything that we lose in our English translations of the Bible, it's the incredible depth of the original language. The Spirit has chosen every word meticulously. And the word translated want literally means heart's desire. So Jesus has heard him ask for mercy. He knows that Bartimaeus is coming in humility. Jesus knows what Bartimaeus needs, but he makes him confess his heart's desire. And Jesus has asked this question of many others before, and some have, you know, seek elevation. Others seek to earn heaven without relationship with Jesus. But what blind Bartimaeus asks for should be a lesson to us all. He says, Rabbani, which is a more intimate way of saying teacher. He says, I want to regain my sight. But it's so much more than just physical healing of his sight because there's so many different words that could be used for sight. But the one that's used here literally means to look up. And in scripture, it's always used in conjunction with seeing God and seeing his plan. So Bartimaeus literally says, Jesus, I want to see you. Nothing else matters, not my worldly possessions, not the people who would try and push me aside or keep me from coming to you. Jesus, I confess, I want to see you. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. The word translated made you well means saved, both physically and spiritually. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And immediately he regained his sight, and he saw Jesus. And don't miss this. Jesus says, go. Go. Bartimaeus is still free to choose his own path. In fact, in Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers and only one comes back to give thanks. And he says, where's the other nine? <laughs> and I think this, why, this is why Jesus asks us to confess our heart's desire. Because if our heart's desire is anything other than seeing Jesus... Our healing will be temporary, and we will not follow him. But for Bartimaeus, his believing has led to seeing. He has spiritual sight. He sees Jesus for who he is. And when we see Jesus, there is no other path. The word says Bartimaeus began following him on the road. 
Bartimaeus said, your way is my way, Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. You are the way, Jesus. Your way is my way. I will follow you to the cross. I will pick up my cross daily because I see you, Jesus. Church, make his way your way. Make his heart your heart, his mind your mind. Hear his call, believe in his authority, confess your sin, receive his mercy, share his heart with others by serving. Follow him on the way. Church, my prayer this morning is that we would make his way our way. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, you died on the cross for me. Your way is my way. Your way is the only way. Lord, may we be ever grateful for what you've done for us. Lord, may the groanings of our hearts be for all of those who have yet to experience your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, because you have authority and you see us as highly prized, Lord, you give us authority to be ambassadors for Christ. So may we share your word boldly in any environment you call us to do so. Lord, may we live sent every day. In Jesus' name, amen.